The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Wimbet. Wimbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to in-game odds, Wimbet has what you need to win. Sign up today. Bet $100. Get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Wimbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Ducore, Zaha, Elise, Edouard. Edouard, oh, what a save! Tipped onto the crossbar by David De Gea at full stretch. Yeah, that's fingertip stuff, isn't it? Magnificent from David De Gea, this... Just switched off for a moment there, Ducore. Bruno Fernandes! Just a couple of minutes before the break. Bruno Fernandes opens the scoring for Manchester United. He did it in the derby. And he's done it at Selhurst Park. Here comes McTominay. Was he clipped by Richards? Christian Eriksen adamant. Well, I don't think he gets the ball here. Tomini knocks it away. Something to look at. Want to go against the ref? Is it a clear and obvious error? That's the question. The check is complete. You are listening to BetMFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. 
You can follow Better MFC on Twitter at Better MFC. That's at Better MFC. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account for LockBetting.com. It's at LockBetting.com on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. LockBetting.com is a premium pay service that has delivered 115 months in a row of transparent track profit. The PL for the previous month is always the pin tweet on the at LockBetting.com Twitter account. So moving on with this edition of BetMUFC, very disappointing result against Crystal Palace. I was worried about it, I spoke about it on the last show. It was a sandwich spot. It was a game that should have never happened. Players have spoken about that this week. David De Gea especially. He spoke about the fact that um, Arsenal got to sit at home and we had to play this game in between playing Arsenal and a Manchester derby. And it's cost us Casemiro, a key player who was on four bookings already, has got another one and now he misses out in the game. And had this game not been put in this stupid place where we had to play it between the Manchester derby and Arsenal, we could have played it any time. But he played it in between our two most important games of the season, and it has cost us one of us one of our most important players. It is massively unfair. Um, Manchester United didn't play well in that game. We took our chance, and then we did what we haven't really done so far this season, which is sat on the lead. Um, there was a penalty incident where we should have definitely got a penalty. Um, I understand there was some minor contact on the ball, but look, anybody can go and make contact with the ball if they go through the player first. Like, if you smash through a player recklessly, you will eventually touch the ball. Touching the ball is not an excuse if you get the man first. And that's exactly what happens here. There's, there seems to be a lot of um, misinterpretation of what the rules are at the moment. And uh, VAR is obviously in the game. It doesn't seem to be helping because that was a terrible decision. Um, the decision to book Casemiro was not. Actually, if you look at that again... It's a bit of a scissor tackle and could have actually been a straight red. So I have no complaints about that. I just have complaints about the fact that we had to play the game anyway. And uh, perhaps Eric Ten Hag should have taken the player off late on in the game. But that's United's fault for only keeping it at 1-0. And uh, we didn't really play well enough to be 2 or 3-0 up anyway. Crystal Palace, difficult place to go to. Newcastle only got a point there yesterday as well. And um, it's really looking like, if you look at the EPL, that it may be a two-horse race between Arsenal and City. Unless... Manchester United beat Arsenal today. Um, and then you have Man United and Newcastle who look comfortable in the top four because Spurs are awful. Liverpool and Chelsea are awful. You saw that from the game that they played yesterday. So there's some big clubs up there, but it doesn't really seem to be a top four race unless Newcastle have a significant drop off or Manchester United have a significant drop off. Um, it doesn't look like um, there really will be a race. It looks like there'll be a tie race. Looks like Newcastle and Man United could be relatively comfortable in those positions unless they have massive drop-offs. And I just don't see Tottenham, Chelsea or Liverpool going on a run. If anybody could go on a run out of those three teams, I would think it would be Chelsea. Chelsea have a plethora of injury issues. They're the only team with a real excuse. Antonio Conte can come out onto TV and say, why the board not explaining what's happening? Why is the fitness coach not explaining what's happening? I look at the Spurs squad and, and everybody's there. Yeah, they lost um, Richarlison and Kulovevsky temporarily um, for a little bit. 
But Chelsea's injury list is insane. Liverpool have lost Virgil van Dijk. That's just one player. I mean, they used this excuse before. They had a season, um, the, the season after they won the league and they were very, very poor until they put a run together right at the end and still managed to get into the Champions League. But at one point, they were lounging in, in sixth or seventh spot. They were losing at home to everybody. The, the Anfield Fortress wasn't albeit there there were no fans in attendance. And once they came back, Liverpool were good at home again. So maybe they need those those fans big time. But from, from what I heard at Anfield on, on Saturday, those fans are now very, very quiet. Anfield doesn't seem to be the place that it was once before, where they could act like the 12th man and get Liverpool over the line. And these are accusations that people have thrown at Manchester United. Oh, you're so quiet. You're a tourist club. There's, there's no real supporters there. Your supporters come from London. Your supporters come from China. Yeah, we're, we're a global club. But you've seen this season that we get behind the players and that place can get loud. You look at the games against Liverpool at home this season. You especially look at the Manchester derby last weekend. And the fans, we were the 12th man. I was there for those games and, and we were the 12th man. That place was loud. And I do go to other stadiums. I went to the North London derby the day after I went to the Manchester derby. And the, and the atmosphere was toxic as soon as Tottenham went one down. Uh, you'd think they'd be used to it by now because Tottenham go one down to everybody, but the atmosphere was toxic. So getting back to my point, it is looking very much like um, we're not going to get too much of a top four race. The relegation race in the EPL is absolutely fascinating this season. The hunt for the European places might be interesting as well. Who's going to avoid the Europa Conference League? Is it going to be Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool? Um, are a team like Brighton or Fulham actually going to finish above these teams? But Man United and Newcastle look comfortable and uh, Man United look like they, they won't be able to get into the title race unless they win the game today against Arsenal, which makes this game absolutely crucial. Eric Ten Hag spoke about it this week. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. Action pre-Arsenal press conference in Belgrade for uh, Saturday at 22.30, Carl. There seems to be increased honesty and accountability from the players in their interviews. Uh, do you think that's your influence? Is there an increased sort of Dutch straightforwardness to things being said? I don't know. <laughs> but all what I want to bring in is yeah, some uh, a culture from high standards and yeah and uh, values and also I think accountability and transparency so honestly that is one of that's our values um, I want to I want to set I want to control um, and I think that is the way we have to cooperate so internal but also uh, external so for instance with the media and with the fans it's been quite a long time since Arsenal and Manchester United went head-to-head with both teams really strong at the top of the table. Are you confident that, or do you think that both these clubs are building in such a way that they're both going to be competing at the top for seasons to come? I think the Premier League in this moment develops eh, that you have six, seven teams who all finally can win the league because there are so many investments and when you have the right philosophy the right strategy I think yeah, that um, yeah, many more clubs can compete for positions uh, yeah, for the top positions in the league so yeah, uh, that's a great challenge and if you want to be there uh, you have to be really good you need that uh, consistency you need that good strategy 
the consistency in the strategy and you need hard work uh, to to compete there and not even and if you want to be to win trophies I, everything has to go in the right way are, are you confident that Manchester United you will continue to go in that way yes I'm quite convinced of that process um, I think um, we are in the right direction and so but it also means uh, that we have to improve a lot uh, if you want to compete in the future with, uh, with, with yeah, for the top positions because the competition will be really tough yeah, he's, he's picking up um, uh, the coaching uh, he's, and he's making good progress from the start of the season till now and he was um, yeah, in a bad I would say well, he was in a bad, uh, I would say, situation eh, because he was not fit. Um, he had a lot of injuries. He had a couple of illnesses um, in the first half till November, and things changed uh, after the break, or during the break, I would say. Uh, he worked well um, in the pre-season uh, before the second season half. He worked well in the training camp. Uh, yet then some good performances in the games and I think uh, he's making a good progress also tonight I think he was uh, one of our best players thank you very much so moving on to the game against Arsenal obviously the loss of Casemiro is big Manchester United were actually the significant underdogs to lose that game anyway even before the loss of Casemiro The Arsenal line has shortened slightly as a result of that. They have now moved from being around even money 10 to 11 to being the 4 to 5 minus 125 favourites on the money line to win the game. It's 11 to 4 on the draw and it's 3 to 1 here on Arsenal. I was confident of getting a positive result from this game. We got a positive result last time and the tactics that Manchester United implemented in order to be the only team in the EPL that have beaten Arsenal this season would be the same in this game, especially with Casemiro. We would be able to implement that stronger. Manchester United essentially sat back on the um, on the edge of their third. They allowed Arsenal to have the possession and then we tried to set up traps where we could counter-attack and that worked particularly well um, when Arsenal got the equaliser. It looked like Arsenal had all the momentum in that game It looked like that um, Manchester United would be holding on for a draw. And essentially, Eric Ten Hag's tactics suckered them in because Manchester United were able to win the game on the break. Arsenal were over-enthusiastic in terms of getting men forward, thinking that they were very much in control of the game. It was a false sense of security and Manchester United went on and won the game 3-1. Was that a convincing win because of the way we stylistically did it? No. But were we the better side for having the better tactics and for Eric Ten Hag being able to essentially outsmart Mikel Arteta? Yes, because that's the point of management. Eric Ten Hag was the better manager on the day and therefore we were the better team on the day. And you cannot say that the victory in any way was undeserved. It didn't come as a result of a fluke goal. What Manchester United did worked on a couple of occasions because we won the game clearly three goals to one. So that would have worked again, especially with Casemiro and his intelligence in that CDM position being 
being able to break up the play. That would have been the tactic once again to catch Arsenal in that situation again. And being at home with your home support behind you, the level of exuberance would probably be higher. Therefore, Manchester United would be able to have more opportunities to capitalise against that. My biggest concern with Casemiro not being there, and let, let it be noted that last time we beat him, Casemiro wasn't there either. It was when we, after we signed him, but Scott McTominay was in a great rain, vein of form and um, he was keeping Casemiro out of the team. But that was, of course, undone by the fact we were absolutely smashed by Manchester City. Many people asked, why the hell are we not playing Casemiro? Because he had put in a couple of decent Europa League performances at that point and was clearly fit. And um, question marks were asked. And ever since then, we never looked back. Casemiro's always been in the team. He's been a key player. But um, he was important in terms of how to play this game tactically, in terms of breaking up that play and being able to set up attacks because it's not just a case of winning the ball backs. Casemiro is not the quickest. He's just an incredible reader of the game. But also his range of passing is massively underrated. And I actually think that, I've spoken about this before, we've got a better version of Casemiro here than what Real Madrid had because the range of passing is absolutely Excellent. You can make a very nice TikTok or YouTube compilation from the passes that Casemiro has made so far this season. And that range of passing is absolutely key because rather than just winning the ball back and laying it off to Cruz or Modric, which was probably his role at Real Madrid, he now takes it on himself. Yes, he's got Ericsson and Bruno in front of him and obviously they're great passes as well. But Casemiro, if you really want to release it quickly and set off these pasty wingers who would obviously be dangerous to Arsenal, Anthony Martial expected to play after missing midweek. Uh, Anthony Ganacho would be the player I start with but if we start with Anthony there's some pace there as well as why we signed him he's fast and on, on the break he's fast in the press and of course Marcus Rashford probably the informed player in the EPL at the moment one of the informed players of the season and um, this is all in the favour of Manchester United so there's definitely a route to victory but I'm just a little bit more concerned in terms of how easily we can read the game and win the ball back in those areas or whether Arsenal are actually going to break through that defensive line and create enough chances to win the game. I certainly think this will be a game that will see both teams finding the net. Arsenal have won 15 of their 18 league games so far while they've won both and conceded in nine of their previous 11 home matches. Whilst Manchester United, they come into this having scored in nine straight away trips so far this season. So I think that's significant data to take a both teams to score selection here as a bet. I do believe, as I said, that both teams will get on the score sheet. But um, whether it be Manchester United scoring the first goal, which I think will be key, meaning that there's more pressure on Arsenal to commit men more, commit more men forward, much like we saw in the first game. I think scoring the first goal puts Manchester United in a very, very strong position to win the game. Obviously, that's almost a no-brainer comment. You want to obviously go out there and score the first goal. But I think the first goal in this game is absolutely key tactically as well. Because if Manchester United concede the first goal, we cannot continue to play the way that we want to set out to play, which is to be conservative with a high defensive block. We're not going to be a team who sit on the edge of our 18-yard box, but a higher defensive block in the final third where the... Um, where the holding midfielders sit in front of the, uh, the the back four, trying to win the ball back. That would be the tactical approach that I would take here, playing with two sixes as opposed to playing with the the uh, Bruno Eriksson combination. But then if you play two sixes here, you are allowing yourself to play McFred again. McFred is an unpopular combination. I'm talking about McTominay and Fred that Manchester United supporters don't want to see here. I saw a suggestion that um, we play Lissandro Martinez in this position. Lissandro Martinez comes forward 
and plays in the um, in the holding midfield position. I, I didn't I didn't hate that. I think that could work. I don't know what his experience is in that position. I know he he's played there before a few times, but maybe not at this level. Maybe not at this EPL level. It's very different doing it in Holland. So it'd be interesting to see how we approach that if he does do anything crazy. As Pep Guardiola says, I have some crazy thoughts for this game. I don't think Ten Hag will go down that route. Although we say that, but he's a manager who has played and implemented Luke Shaw as a left-sided centre-back so far this season. So you just never know. The team selection will be fascinating. I think whoever Manchester United have out there, they are capable. We've seen Eric Ten Hag has just improved these players incredibly. When you look at Aaron Wan-Bissaka, he is a completely different player. He was always a, a decent enough defender, although he lost a lot of confidence last year and, uh, and was relatively poor at times. But overall, he's a good defender. His attacking side of the game is something that needs to be improved on and he's improved it. It looks much better. He was actually balling in the in the Manchester derby. He was um, he was beating players and, and turning and twisting and there's a clip of him doing that, which is, which is great to see. It shows how Eric Ten Hag can, can, can cause an improvement in everybody. Therefore, I'm not approaching this game with a negative attitude. Just the loss of Casemiro alone doesn't mean that Manchester United are ultimately going to lose this game. I'm just not confident here in taking any play that involves Man United getting a positive result. So my selection here would be for both teams to score at the price of 4-6 minus 150. That's it for me. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening at 10 to 11 but I definitely think this value on Borussia Dortmund here is 7 to 2 they win this game against Augsburg they're one point behind Leipzig who drew today and suddenly by beating one of the worst teams in the league at home you are one point behind RB Leipzig and you look like serious contenders to finish in second spot. So this market's all going to change just by Dortmund winning as massive favourites against Augsburg. Not only do I think they win, I think they cover a minus 1.5 Asian handicap line buoyed by the return of Sebastian Haller following his cancer recovery. I think he'll get on the score sheet. I think they can dominate a relegation threatened Augsburg team here. Um, Augsburg are enduring the Bundesliga's longest current winless run with three draws and four defeats, whereas Dortmund are beaten in six of their seven home league games this season. And don't forget the defeat. It was an absolutely incredible defeat where they were 2-0 up against Werder Bremen and absolutely collapsed in the last five minutes. It was so Borussia Dortmund. They they're almost like the, the Tottenham Hotspurs of Germany, except a lot more successful. Um, but they do a lot of Spursy things. But here, I think this will be comfortable. Um, Dortmund come into this having scored 11 times across their last two warm-up games ahead of the Bundesliga restart whilst uh, as I said Augsburg are enjoying the longest current winless streak in the Bundesliga of seven games and this all sets up for them to be punished so yep we're doing a future show here but I think the lock lies outside the futures we've talked a lot about Borussia Dortmund and um, I would definitely be sprinkling on them to finish second at seven to two or to win the league without Bayern Munich I would definitely be looking at that top three exactor with Bayern Munich first, Dortmund second and Leipzig third. Um, these are not lock worthy plays but they're definitely sprinkle worthy plays but Dortmund minus 1.5 this weekend on the Asian handicap line at even money plus 100 is your lock worthy play here for this show. That's it for me and this bonus edition of Das Bundesliga show. I know you guys missed the music but as I said this show still exists. It's just moved over to lock betting because of the vote that we took. Lock Betting is a free podcast. This isn't my Patreon page. This isn't Lock 
lockbetting.com. Lockbetting is a free podcast and that's where the Bundesliga show is happening. So if you're interested in Bundesliga, that's where it's going to be. Of course, the future show remain here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Don't forget, we've got loads of stuff coming up this weekend. Of course, the regular shows, the EPL show, Scamessa Italia and BetMUFC. Uh, but on top of this bonus show, we also have two editions of the fight show. We have Liam Smith fighting against Chris Eubank this weekend, a huge boxing match in the UK. And we have a UFC card as well. So I'll be covering both of those. And then next weekend, there'll be another edition of the fight show, which will be covering the WWE Royal Rumble. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.